Good morning and welcome to the Health Matters radio show. My name is Neil De Silva, and if you're listening on Catch Up, this is show number 89. I hope you're all keeping really well and you've had a great weekend. On today's show, we have, have our special guest uh, of the morning. We have Karen Jones from Happy You, Happy Body. Good morning, Karen. Woohoo! It's, Hello. It's great to have you on the show again. And Karen's Karen's been on now a couple of times, and uh, I'm quite looking forward to uh, catching up with Karen as well and getting some updates on what's happened to her, particularly over the last twelve months. And she's definitely had a busy year, haven't you? I have. <laughs> so we'll 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 be talking to Karen in about twenty minutes. Other topics that we will talk about today, uh, we're going to talk about viruses and we'll talk about those in a moment. And then towards the end of the show, we are going to have a chat about adrenal fatigue and why you should recognise the symptoms uh, of adrenal fatigue if you are suffering with them. A quick disclaimer before we kick the show off. The purpose of the show is to provide you with competent information on the topics that we cover and educate you in ways that you could improve your own health. But this is on the understanding that I'm not engaged in providing medical advice and the content of the show should not be treated as a substitute for such. If you have any concerns about your health, please speak to a suitably qualified healthcare professional. And all the information that I provide is... um, it's based on my knowledge, my experience, my research, and often my opinion. And I encourage you to do your own research on the topics that we talk about. And as such, I disclaim any liability that is incurred from the use of or application of the content of the show. A quick reminder of the show's social media feeds. On Twitter, it's at Health Radio Show. On Facebook, it's the Health Matters Radio Show. And you'll be able to listen again to this show and all previous 88 shows on the media page of my website, which is www.i-nutrition.co.uk or on iTunes. Go to iTunes and you can subscribe to the show's podcast. Just search the Health Matters Radio Show and you can sign up from there. So, we are in interesting times. Um, There is a certain virus going around, starting with the letter C, that has a lot of people panic buying, it has a lot of people fearful, and it's causing lots of issues in our society. And apparently, uh, to date, as of today, I think about 80 countries have now got reported cases of coronavirus. Now... I'm not going to talk specifically about coronavirus. There is enough information out there. But what I'm going to talk about uh, for the next 10 minutes or so is about viruses. Because there is a real big misunderstanding about viruses and viral infections and bacteria and bacterial infections. Because I'm a great believer that education, knowledge and common sense 
we will beat fear and panic every time. So I'm not scaremongering. I'm not trying to make you fearful or make you panic. I'm going to give you some education that hopefully will put you in a better place to understand what's going on and also how to protect yourself. So let's cover the basics. What's the differences between bacteria and viruses? Okay, so they're both very small organisms. Um, both too small to be seen without a microscope, but together they are, they are as different as lions and elephants, okay? Bacteria and viruses have huge differences. So bacteria are relatively complex single-celled creatures that have got a rigid wall and a thin rubbery membrane surrounding the fluid inside the cell. And bacteria can reproduce on their own. And they can live in almost every conceivable environment, including in or on our body. Now, most bacteria, and this is a really important point, most bacteria are harmless. And many bacteria actually help us. We have a very symbiotic relationship with most bacteria. They can help us to digest food. They can help us um, destroy disease-causing microbes. They, some bacteria can help fight cancer cells. And actually, some bacteria, um, as a byproduct of, of their metabolism, can provide us with the essential nutrients in our gut. And it's also interesting that around or less than 1% of bacteria cause diseases in people. So these disease-causing bacteria are the serious minority and these bacteria are, are referred to as pathogenic bacteria. Now, viruses are a completely different thing. Viruses are smaller than bacteria and the largest virus is smaller than the smallest bacteria. Viruses are not cellular. They don't have a cell like a bacteria but they can interact with every other cellular organism. Viruses are not alive, like bacteria. They don't have cells, they can't turn food into energy, and without a host, they are just inert packets of chemicals. But viruses are not exactly dead either. They have genes, and they can reproduce, and they can evolve through natural selection. <coughs> Excuse me. Um... um Viruses reproduce by attaching themselves to cells, so they do need a host to reproduce. And in most cases, they, repro they reprogram these cells to make new viruses until the cells burst and die. Viruses can, invite, can invade the cells of your body, and they use the components of your cells to grow and, and, grow and multiply. And this is another important point. Unlike bacteria... Most viruses cause disease. So as I said to you, most bacteria don't cause disease. Most viruses cause disease. And they can be very specific about the cells that they attack. So certain viruses attack the cells of the liver. Some attack, uh, attack the respiratory system. Some attack the blood. Now, in the case of coronavirus, it attacks the cells in your lungs. It attacks your respiratory system. And the word for virus comes from the Latin word for poison or slimy liquid, which is quite appropriate, given what they do. So, in terms of bacterial infections, bacterial infections include things like strep throat, uh, UTIs are bacterial, uh, bacterial food poisoning, gonorrhea, tuberculosis, bacterial meningitis, cellulitis, Lyme disease, tetanus. Those are bacterial infections. Now, viral infections include things, as you would expect, like the flu, so influenza, the common cold, viral gastroenteritis, chickenpox, measles, 
viral meningitis, um, HIV, viral hepatitis, Zika virus and coronavirus. They are all viral infections. So like I say, the way the bacteria operate and, and, and their actual uh, composition is very different to viruses. Now, when we come on to talk about viruses specifically, we're going to talk about viruses and hard surfaces. Now, lots of people at the moment are very cautious about public transport and shaking hands. And you don't need to be panicked about this, but actually there is some truth about how long viruses live on hard surfaces. Now, the life of the virus, now technically, as I mentioned, viruses are not technically alive, but the life of a virus will depend on what type of virus it is, the conditions of the environment that it's in, and the type of surface that it's on. So say, say someone cough, coughs onto a table, um, that would determine how long that virus lives for. Now, cold viruses have been shown to survive on indoor surfaces for about seven days. And flu viruses, not specifically coronavirus, but flu viruses in general, are active for about 24 hours. So someone coughs onto a door, coughs into their hand, and then they touch a door handle, and they've, and they've got the flu virus, not, not necessarily coronavirus, but flu virus, then um, that virus can live on a door handle for up to 24 hours. So all viruses have the potential to live on hard surfaces such as metal and plastic, um, much longer than they would live on fabrics and other soft surfaces. So the flu virus will only survive on uh, tissues for about 15 minutes, but it will survive on a hard surface for 24 hours. And also viruses will tend to live a bit longer in areas with low temperatures, low humidity and low sunlight. Now, just because they live for that time doesn't mean that they are um, profoundly infective for that time. And actually, viruses um, are not likely to be a danger on surfaces for very long. So as I mentioned, cold viruses can live on hard surfaces for about seven days, but their ability to infect decreases after about 24 hours. And in terms of the flu virus, whilst again the virus will live on hard surfaces the flu virus again not specifically coronavirus because there's still lots of unknowns about that but the general flu virus will live on a hard surface for about 24 hours but after about 10 minutes the ability for it to infect drops a lot so it makes that that makes the transmission much less likely from person to person but that's no excuse for not having good uh, hygiene and we'll come on to hygiene in a second so it is possible to pick up a virus from other people who have touched tables or um, perhaps if you're on, a, on an underground um, train, you know, those poles that people hold on to. Uh, it is possible to, to actually catch the viruses from other people through, through a hard surface. But like I said, the ability for the virus to infect decreases as time progresses. So how can you protect yourself short of wearing gloves everywhere? Well, it does come down to good hand hygiene and proper sneezing stroke coffee, uh, coughing etiquette and washing your hands and keeping your hands away from your face as much as possible is really, really important. And if you've touched an infected surface, uh, but you bring your hand up to cover a yawn or rub your eye or scratch your nose, then you're introducing the virus to a vulnerable spot in your body and there is a chance that you could get uh, infected.
And when it comes to treatment, the treatment for viral infections and bacterial infections are actually quite different. Now, bacterial infections are treated by antibiotics. They kill bacteria. Okay, but antibiotics do not work on viruses. So if you've got a bacteria, so if you've got a viral infection, don't pester your doctor for antibiotics unless they recommend it, because antibiotics do not work on viral infections. And the problem is, is if you take uh, antibiotics when you don't really need them, if you haven't got a bacterial infection, that can be quite dangerous because that, that can lead on to another condition called antibiotic resistance. And this is where the bacteria become um, resistant. They're, they're able to adapt to certain types of antibiotics, which then can make future bacterial infections quite difficult to treat. When we come on to viral infections... Interestingly, there's no specific treatment for viral infections. Okay, you can take, you can have the flu jab done every year, which is obviously a preventative. But once you've got a viral infection, there's very little that you can do in terms of prescription medication to deal with a, uh, deal with a viral infection. But what you can do is you can take medication to relieve the symptoms while your body works to clear the infection. So some of the things you can do is to drink plenty of fluids to prevent dehydration, to get plenty of rest, to use over-the-counter pain medications like Panadol and Tylenol and Paracetamol and also Ibuprofen to bring down the fever and to also deal with the aches and pains. Over-the-counter decongestants can also help with a runny nose or stuffy nose. And if you've got a sore throat, then sucking on the throat lozenge can often help ease a sore throat. Now, prevention is better than cure. So, and this is where we come into the current time and the current climate. And obviously, it's on the news everywhere about the coronavirus. But again, this isn't specifically about coronavirus. This is about good uh, self hygiene to protect yourself and to protect those around you. Now, these basic measures will help to reduce the risk of infection and transmission. It won't make you superhuman. It won't guarantee that you won't become infected, but it will certainly reduce the risk. So the first thing is to, is to wash your hands on a regular basis with soap and warm water for about 20 seconds. And actually, the temperature doesn't make a lot of difference. We tend to recommend warm water because it's more comfortable for us. But actually, cold water will still do the job as well. And um, to use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer between hand washes. If you think you've touched a, uh, a door handle or something and you're a bit cautious, having an alcohol-based hand sanitizer will, will again help reduce the risk. If you're going out and you're buying antibacterial hand sanitizers, as I've just explained, the two of bacteria and viruses are two, are, are two very different things. Guess what? The antibacterial um, hand sanitizers, unless they are heavily alcohol-based, aren't going to work on viruses. So you could be lulling yourself in, into a bit of a false sense of security, thinking that you're covered, and that gives you excuses to touch lots of things and cough into your hand, perhaps, which is really bad etiquette anyway. Um, but the, uh, your, your hand sanitizer has to be alcohol-based because only alcohol-based sanitizers will kill uh, viruses. And actually, if you go to YouTube, and you search i-nutrition hand sanitizer, I've actually put up um, a video, a short video, about how you can make your own antiviral hand sanitizer uh, for not a lot of cost, actually. It's quite surprising. So have a look on, 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 um, sorry, on YouTube and you'll be able to see my video there. 
Maintain social distancing. So maintain a distance of at least a metre or three feet between yourself and anyone who is coughing and sneezing because those small spray droplets from their nose or their mouth might contain a virus and if you are too close you can breathe in those droplets and that again gives the uh, the virus access into your body interestingly the viruses are very di they're very difficult to get through skin but they get in through the nose the eyes and the mouth avoid touching your nose and your mouth now it's estimated that we touch our nose or our face um, around three to four thousand times a day, which is crazy. It's just, it's just habitual. People rub their nose, they touch their lips, they rub their eyes. Now, you need to be really cautious of this. If you can actually limit the amount of times you touch your nose, your eyes or your mouth, you will limit the ability to the, uh, of the virus to get into your body. Practice respiratory hygiene. So make sure that you and people around you uh, cover your nose and your mouth with your bent elbow when you sneeze or you cough, or more ideally, have a tissue to hand when you, when you cough or sneeze, and then dispose of the tissue immediately. Do not cough into your hand, okay? If you cough into your hand and wipe it down your trousers, the virus will still be on your skin. And of course, common sense, if you're feeling unwell, if you've got a fever, a cough or a cold, or you've got difficulty breathing, then seek medical advice straight away. And remember that education and knowledge reduces the need for fear and panic. And with knowledge, we can protect ourselves and those around us, and we can also reduce the risk of infection. If we know the enemy, and we know how the enemy operates, we don't need to be panicked, we don't need to be fear, but we can, we can, we can, we, we can protect ourselves and those around us. So hopefully, you found that information useful. It's really basic information, to be fair. But lots of people don't realise the differences between bacteria and viruses. And of course, if you want to, there's lots of reputable uh, websites out there, like the World Health, uh, the, the, sorry, the World World Health Organisation, who have got lots of information, not just about coronavirus, but about viruses in general. So I hope you found that useful, and you can put some of those things into practice. After the break, we are going to go on to our guest interview with Karen. But to take us there, we have a short song by Phil Collins.
You're listening to the Health Matters Radio Show with me, Neil De Silva. A quick reminder of the show's social media feeds on Twitter. It's at Health Radio Show. On Facebook, it's the Health Matters Radio Show. And you'll be able to listen again to this show and previous shows on the media page of my website, which is www.i-nutrition.co.uk. And also on iTunes, go to iTunes and search the Health Matters Radio Show. So on to our guest interview of the morning. Today we have, as I mentioned, Karen Jones. And Karen has been on the show a couple of times in the past. And you might want to look at previous shows and listen to previous shows that Karen's been on. If you're interested, uh, Karen was on on the 10th of December 2018, which was show number 45, and the 6th of August 2018, which was show number 32. So we're going to talk a bit about um, about Karen's background and all that in a moment. But uh, on those previous interviews, we do go into a lot more details. So I'm sure you'll find those interesting. Good morning, Karen. Hello. It's great to have you on the show again. Pleasure to be back. And I think you hold the honour now of being... Uh, the only person that's been on my show three times. Woo-hoo. So it was that good that you came back a third time. Yeah, no, I so love being on here. It's been, um, it's been about 15 months since you were last on the show. And obviously on the on the, the show back in December 18, we were talking about um, your life and your journey and um, where you were going over the sort of the next 12 months. So I'm really looking forward to having a bit of an update as to how the how particularly 2019 treated you. Um and also, I, I know for, I know for a fact you've had a, a busy year. Yes. Um, but I'll let you I'll let you take over. I I tell you what we'll do. Let's start with some basics. Let's start with some real basic information about your background uh, and kind of how you got into doing what you what you currently do. Well, I I got into fitness um, through overcoming postnatal depression, mm-hmm. and from there I. Just, you know, I was, I was offered from a health professional to either take up, um, to either go and see my doctor and be prescribed antidepressants or take up exercise, which was known to help. I chose a more natural remedy, wanting to see if that would work first. So I didn't live close by to a gym and I decided to take up running because I needed something that was on my doorstep, being a busy mum of three. Okay, so from from day one, when you because I'm sure lots of people would like to go out and running, yeah, but they're quite intimidated by it, particularly when you drive around and you see people, you know, really doing well and breaking up a sweat. So on that first day that you started to run, yeah, how did you? I mean, were you quite fit at the time? How did it? How did it feel? No, I was four months post baby. Right. Um, I had just come back from a month's holiday in Australia, so I knew that my feeling down wasn't anything to do with lack of sunshine because it was around winter time, and mm-hmm. it had crossed my mind that I could be suffering from that sad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so when my health visitor on a home visit had said to me after doing a questionnaire that that's what I was suffering from was postnatal depression, um, I just knew after having a good think about it that you know why not try the exercise first because I could always fall back on going to get the antidepressants mm. if needs be but from going out on that first run how did it feel 
it just it, it was weird it was really it was really weird but I just knew that I was going to teach myself to run I just said even if I can only run for like 30 seconds and then I walk for a bit and then I run for a bit and then I walk for a bit yeah. I planned out my my route yeah and and I just gave it a go I think that's a, uh, that's one of the reasons lots of people don't try is they think they've got to you know from day one they've got to be able to run a 5k okay. no um so do you, you, up do you remember how long you ran for on that on that first day Probably about 30 seconds a minute before right. my lungs were burning. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was like, oh, gosh, you know, I felt heavy. I did feel quite quite heavy. I, mm. I hadn't put on so much weight with my last child. My my first job when I was 16, I put on four stone post baby. But my, my second, I kind of went down as I, as I had three children. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't quite so heavy. Um, but I just felt that... You know, my fitness wasn't there because I hadn't exercised f since I could remember, not not really during my pregnancy. I think I went out for some walks and stuff. Okay. So this really was quite a long time since I'd done any kind of exercise. But okay. I was just determined to give it a go. And I lived in a really nice area, so there was a lot of greenery. Mm -hmm. And I'd chosen a route that was kind of like not off-road, but not a lot of cars. Yeah. But I do remember one time going out and someone shouted out the window, go on, fatty, as they drove past me. And although it, it stung and it, it hurt a little bit, I just said to myself that at least I'm trying to mm. do something. You mm -hmm. know, you're sitting in a van and yeah. you're, you're calling me fatty. Yeah. But I'm, I'm doing my best to do something about that. Yeah. And it was from that moment on that I said that I wasn't going to allow someone else's opinion because I didn't even feel, you know, Facts, so to speak, at that time. Mm. So it's just you are going to get people that try and bring you bring you down, mm -hmm. but you just have to know that you just have to have blinkers on and know that you're doing something for you, yeah. and that's what matters most. So you so you'd you'd, you'd had your last child. Um, I think you're thirty six thirty six at the time. Yeah. Um, I think postnatal depression is quite a common condition. Lots of women. It um, seems so have now. to deal with. Yeah. Um, and you were given the choice of actually doing something more natural but takes more effort or yeah. just popping pills. And that was, uh, you know, in my opinion, obviously the right choice to make. But at the time when you're suffering with depression, I would guess that for a lot of people, pop, pop, popping pills is the much easier option. Well, I guess women will weigh up how busy they are and have they got time to go out and exercise. But the benefits of exercise far outweigh taking an antidepressant, as far as I know, with the knowledge I've got now, because they say that 60% of people who take antidepressants actually put on weight. Mm -hmm. So then you would, not only would you feel depressed, you're going to have to hand have to then do something about your weight which is yeah. then going to keep you taking antidepressants because you're going to be scared to come off of them because all of a sudden you're going to feel overweight and you know it's I, a dangerous cycle isn't it it is but i have heard that it's a chemical imbalance uh, to do with um depression and if for some people that may well very may, may well work and i wouldn't want to put anybody off or for anyone to feel bad about having to take antidepressants of course not yeah but I would definitely say to try the more natural remedy first because there's no down, there's no downside of, of going out and exercise. It's, it's all good and it makes you feel amazing. You know, it releases natural endorphins. You cannot help but to be happy mm. once you've, you've exercised, getting yeah. some fresh air, you know, just, 
it's it's a it's a game changer. It's good physically. It's good mentally. Yeah, I mean, you know, look where it's, it's taken me. It's, yeah, absolutely. It's good on so many levels. And I think, you know, you're quite right to say if, if people are on um, uh, prescription medication for depression, then that's their choice. It's yeah. this way, it's this opening people's eyes to real, to make them realise there are other options out there yeah. should they choose to take them. Absolutely. And it, it really is a choice. But just know that there's many, many benefits from trying the exercise. And, yes, it does take some time, but that you know what you get back from that time is self-care. And, you know, I learnt to love myself. I, I, so many things, good things came off the back mm. of learning to run. You know, for the first time in my life with a combination of healthy eating and exercise was the only thing that ever works for me long-term to lose excess weight and to keep it off. And I've been the same healthy weight for 15 years. Yeah. So brilliant. it works. And are you, are you still running at the moment? No, I I can run every now and again when yeah, I yeah. need to. But not on the not on the regular basis that you used to. No, I tend to power walk okay. now. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I had some lower back issues where when I became a PT, um, my pain specialist actually said that I couldn't run anymore. Um, and I said, you can't tell me that. I'm about to become a personal trainer. Right. <laughs> I'm going to need to run with my clients. And then he said, you know, I had to learn to run on the balls of my feet. And I have seen people in the marathon and stuff now learn to run like that because it takes the pressure off your lower back. But okay. I found that actually power walking is a very good second to running. So I hear many, many people say, I don't like running, I don't want to run, or I'm too heavy to run. So then why don't you power walk? And I see a lot more men going out power walking now yep. than I've ever seen because it could be deemed as being a little bit sissy, I suppose. So define power, power walking. A power walk is, is more than a brisk walk. It's okay. just there's a lot more going on with your arms and, you know, you're, you're going for it. Okay. On a scale of one but to not, ten. But not quite a run. Not quite a run, yeah. no. It's a real definite power walk. And there's le less impact on joints yes. when you're power walking. Yes. And I tend to, I've been out with weights and stuff like that. So I do an upper body workout as I walk with my, doing my power walk. I've put ankle weights on so to make it, you know, to, um, you know, make it slightly harder yeah. for myself to yeah. burn more calories if, if that's what I'm, I'm going for at that particular time. I did a lot of power work walking when I did my bikini fitness contest mm -hmm. um, training. So, and I, I love, I loved it. Fresh air again, going outside, going for a walk. You may have to walk for longer, but it's, it's re again, it's really worth it. It's so, how long, how long would you suggest in, in, in your, in your opinion? How long would you suggest? people should go out and power walk for? Well, I used to go for 45 minutes to an hour. OK. But so you, you've only so got 20 you'd, minutes. You'd pick, you'd pick a route, perhaps? Yeah. Right, OK. And I still do it now, so and I, and I love it, because I know that it's it's low impact for my, for my joints mm -hmm. and and for mental health, it's really, really good. I walk over High Elms, which is um, like a, a park, and right. it's really beautiful over there, so Sweet. fresh air, under trees... It's like the best mental in health. In any weather? Yeah, any weather. I used to have dogs, so I used to have to take my dogs out in any weather. And right. I think that's what hardened me to be able to become a boot camp instructor, to be able to go out in any weathers. You know, mm -hmm. when my clients sometimes say, but it's raining, I go, and? and yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like, harden yourself to that kind of weather because it's exhilarating working out in the rain. 
once you come home and you have a shower and stuff, it's like you're alive. It's really nice. I love it. Sounds good. So, so your so your personal journey um, to deal with your postnatal depression took you down the route of exercise, and that then obviously took you on, as you've already mentioned, to um, taking those skills and techniques that you, that you you'd learnt in helping yourself to be able to help other people when you became a personal trainer? Yeah. Tell me about what happened once you became a personal trainer. How, did, how, how were you helping people then? Well, I knew that if, if I felt like that, being a mum at home, not having much time to be able to go to a gym, how many other mothers were stuck indoors, with their, perhaps with their children, and not, not being able to take care of themselves? So... I said, if I've learned, you know, to go out for my cardio and then I was doing some exercises indoors to train to run for the marathon, mm -hmm. then why couldn't I teach other women to feel good about themselves and give themselves time back to uh, look after themselves? Because when you've got more energy, one of the big secrets in life is to get energy, you need to spend energy. So to run around after your children and to have that energy you need to be fit or at least be looking after yourself. And then that kind of led on to healthy eating. And I really started for the first time in my life to look after myself. They say that when you're on an airplane that you have to put your, put mask, your own mask on, on first, first yeah, before absolutely. you put on your children's mask. Yeah. So I then started thinking instead of keep give, give, giving all the time, what about if I give back to me? And if I look after myself, then I'm going to be able to look after my loved ones even better. And it is amazing how many people burn themselves out um, because they're running around helping other people. Yeah. Now, you know, as you say, on an airplane, they tell you to put your own face mask on first. It's no good running around on a plane helping other people when you pass out unconscious. Then you can't help anyone else. No. Um, but so many people have that given attitude where they think everyone else comes before themselves. And people don't realise that self-care is actually not being selfish. No, it's self -care. not. Self-less. Absolutely. Being, being able to look after yourself so you are best placed to help other people, I think that's, just, that's, that's, that's the way it should be. Well, it's a better quality of giving and you don't feel like you're just give, give, giving and you're not getting anything back in return because you've already given yourself that back in return. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so giving yourself that love and that care and loving yourself first is how it should be. Yeah. And then you look after everyone else. So tell me a bit about your fitness programmes. How do they How do they work? How do they help people? Well, I... I did a life. I feel like I do a lot of life coaching with my clients anyway. You know, when, when I go in and I visit a client for the first time and we spend an hour together and I get a good feel um, as to what they're looking for, what, you know, how do they want to get, what, why do they want to get fit? Uh, then from there, I, I go away and if we decide to work with one another, then it would be I design a fitness program for them that will you know it could be going outside and uh, from for a power walk or or a run it could be that i do a boot camp style training with them in their garden or indoors it could be that i do power yoga with them mm -hmm. it depends what i feel that i because i tailor make my my fitness programs to my clients but we also talk about healthy eating and um hydration because and also sleep because there's there's so many things that it well there's not so many things there's about five things that you need to get right mm -hmm. to then make sure that you're kind of healthy and 
if you get your sleep right, if you get your healthy eating right, if you get your hydration right and you're drinking your water, if you're doing your exercise and you're loving yourself, you kind of, you've got such a good foundation to just carry on that way and you'll you'll just feel amazing you feel on top of the world and you and, can cope with anything and all those areas have a massive impact on your mental health as well don't they absolutely like and, i said exercise releases natural endorphins you cannot help but to be happy once you've exercised mm. it should be an integral part of everyone's lives everyone's i agree <laughs> i agree completely and something else that we are very much on the same page about is the importance of health over weight. Now, like you, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, you get people coming to you who are focused purely, they, they may well be over, uh, overweight, but, but their focus is purely on losing weight. And in my opinion, I think a lot of diet companies capitalise on desperate people who are, who are de desperate to lose weight over and above everything else, and they will do silly things to lose the weight. Now, when someone comes to me, um, I make sure that their focus is on being healthy yep. and not just about losing the weight. If you focus on being healthy, then the weight will we'll genuinely take care, take care of itself. So. It might take a bit longer, but what you create is you create a new lifestyle. You create new neural pathways, you create new habits, and it becomes a change in their life, not a quick fix yo-yo diet. What's your, what's your views on those? Well, just that diet companies are... You know, they, they're out to make money mm. and it's the same as beauty industry and diet. If we all started loving ourselves exactly the way that we are, then a lot of those companies would go out of business. Yep. So if we focused on the health instead of the weight, then because you're doing the healthy eating and it's fitness is 80% what you eat and only 20% exercise. Mm -hmm. So if you really focus on eating healthily and then doing the little bit of exercise, which isn't shouldn't be massive, but just to make sure that you do incorporate it into your daily life if you can. If it's five days a week, that'd be great. Three days a week, you know, it's good. But just try and do the exercise, then the weight will take care of itself. It might not be the exact number that you want, but that's where we're all going wrong. Mm. We don't need to focus on, on a number as such. It's about how do you feel inside. Definitely. And if you're feeling healthy on the inside, that's going to radiate to the outside as well. Yeah. And if you, if, and if you get that right, it should last you the rest of your life. On 15 years, the same happy, healthy weight. Yeah. So, and how many, yeah. I'm not going to mention particular diet uh, plans and regimes, but how many people do you hear January, and, you know, January, when, when January rolls around, they say, oh, I'm going to be doing XYZ diet again. And you're kind of thinking, actually, if you're doing it again, it means it didn't work last time. Yeah. And if you carry on doing it, guess what? If you carry on doing the same things, you'll get the same results. Yeah, well, that's, that's what they say madness is, doing the same thing. Except, Inspecting different results. Yeah. So why not just learn how to eat healthily yeah. and manage the amount of food that you eat? You know, I still eat chocolate, I still eat pizza, I still have ice cream, I still eat those things, but I eat in moderation yes. because I love eating healthy foods that I love. Yeah. And because of that, I never get bored, I never get fed up, 
because I'm eating the foods that I love anyway. It's just they're healthy. So you eat some of those things, those um, like the ice cream and what have you, on a on a very small controlled basis. Yeah. But when you feel your body on proper whole foods, you don't realise just how well your, the body functions on proper on proper food. Yeah, everything just goes hand in hand, and it's it's just I program myself to be this way, so I yeah. am this way, and I love being this way. I've feeling you know how do I feel inside about myself and I feel really good yeah. so and it, it goes to show you know I'm I'm very well as far as I know and you know everything's going really well for me so my mental health is really good so you know I I've got it sussed and yeah. I will keep it sussed and I'll keep on keeping on with the healthy eating and the exercise. So tell me a bit about your book. Now you've had you've had your book out for a little while, haven't you? But you've recently 2017. You've recently updated it. I've recently updated it with uh, a section on meditation. Okay. Because I only discovered meditation 5 years ago. Um, when I started power yoga but what meditation has brought to me is that I was able to have the introspection of being able to write my book because of having some time out of my busy life to actually think about how did I take myself from being unhappy with my body to happy with my body and meditation is for the mind what exercise does for the body it's a workout for your mind mm -hmm. and it's called a meditation practice mm -hmm. because we just have to learn to pra we practice it and you can yeah. start with as little as one minute and build on that and that's where I started from and it's only because I've gone into my kundalini uh, teacher training that I've started doing a lot longer meditation and I know a lot more about meditation now but I again Meditation should be being taught in schools yeah. and it would really help with a lot of the mental health problems that we've got at the moment to do uh, with anxiety. And what's the, what's the title of your book? Happy You, Happy Body. Excellent. And how can people get hold of it? <laughs> they can go onto Amazon mm -hmm. because it's been re-released. It's only available at the moment on Kindle mm -hmm. version, but the paperback version will be coming out soon. Excellent. And um, perhaps we can have a quick update on your alcohol abstinence. I know we mentioned it on the last show, and I think we're back in 2018. You were very early into that journey. So we're, One year. we're f sort of 15 months on from there. So where are you with the alcohol? I've actually decided to give it up for life. So Good I will you. not be drinking alcohol anymore. Um, I needed that year off to see how easy it was to give it up mm -hmm. for that year. And mm -hmm. it was really easy because that's, that's what I'd said to myself and that's the experience that I got. Then I went back to it from September to uh, uh, New Year's Eve and I was sick twice in that time. I, and I didn't really consume that much alcohol. Mm -hmm. So I know that my body is a lot smarter than my mind. <laughs> and because of what I do know, um, that it's a toxic poison, mm -hmm. that no wonder my body just wants to get rid of it as soon as I've drunk it. I'm finely tuned now and anything that I eat or drink that my body doesn't like, it wants to get rid of it as quickly as possible. So when I was really sick on New Year's Eve, even though I'd had a really lovely evening, I just said to myself, enough is enough and yeah, yeah. I'm going to give it up for the rest of my life. Because yeah. I live with integrity, so I cannot tell myself that it's good for me when I know that it isn't. Yeah, and if, you, if you'd like to listen more about uh, Karen's journey with alcohol and alcohol abstinence, if you do listen to the show on the 5th of December 2018, which, is a, as I mentioned, is show number 45, uh, we do go into a lot more detail about the journey and the reasons and all the other bits and pieces surrounding that. But uh, kudos to you. Well done.
Thank you. Well done. So what are your plans for the coming uh, the coming year, Karen? To, uh, I've just, I'm going to become a volunteer for DAVS, mm -hmm. um, which is for a uh, it's an advisory and volunteer service for domestic uh, abuse in Tunbridge Wells, mm -hmm. so Kent, the Kent area. I'm also going to get my qualification for Kundalini yoga teacher. And I want to speak internationally, so I want to get the opportunity to speak abroad at some point this year. That's, that's on my, my wish list. So you have to come back in a year's time and give us another update. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure, no pressure. So as a, as a quick reminder, um, who is your ideal client? Who are you looking for to approach you? Just somebody that feels that they're unhappy and unfit and they want to take themselves on that journey to become fit and happy with their body. I help men and women to feel amazing mm -hmm. in their bodies. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And if people want to get a hold of you, uh, what's your preferred methods of contact? Well, they can call me on my mobile. Okay. Um, do you want me to say it? Uh, <laughs> if you if you want to. <laughs> okay, uh, mobile. O triple seven five six double three triple five or my email address which is hello at happy you happy body dot co dot uk. I'm on Instagram, happy you happy body, and I'm on Facebook, happy you. Happy body. Super. And what I do for you as well is when I do the post promotion for the show on social media, I'll put a link to your website in there as well. Cool. It's Thank been great you. to have you on board. It's, it's been, been great to, to be have you on here for the third time. And I'm looking forward to uh, to the, about the same time next year when we can have an update as to how your 2020 has been. It sounds like you've got a really interesting and busy year ahead. Yeah, I'm really excited about it myself. <laughs> it's going to be great. Thank, thank you, Karen. Thank you for having me. After the break, we're going to have a quick chat about adrenal fatigue.
listening to the Health Matters Radio Show with me, Neil De Silva. We're going to talk for a few moments now about adrenal fatigue. Now, you may have heard of it. Uh, you may not have heard of it. You may have heard of the adrenal glands. You may not even know what they are or where they are. So the adrenal, gra- uh, the adrenal glands are two small glands about the size of a large grape each and they sit on top of the kidneys. And the purpose of the adrenal glands is to help the body to cope with stress and to help the body to survive. And the adrenal glands produce hormones. Um, Now, uh, epinephrine is one of them, uh, which is actually adrenaline. So if you hear anyone talk about EpiPens, the reason they're called EpiPens is uh, epinephrine is is the is the chemical word for uh, adrenaline. Uh, Norepinephrine is another hormone, and also cortisol um, is another stress hormone as well. Now, when we we talk about adrenal fatigue, we are going to focus on cortisol. Now, cortisol, when it's lowered, the body becomes unable to deal with stress. So when we have a lowered cortisol level, this is called adrenal fatigue. Now, adrenal fatigue is a stress-related condition, and symptoms include things like exhaustion, um, a weakened immunity, um, sleep disturbances, and also some food cravings as well. And when the adrenal glands become depleted and and uh, dysregulated after long periods of emotional or chronic stress, that can lead on to adrenal fatigue. And actually, as you might expect, tiredness and exhaustion are the most common symptoms of adrenal fatigue, but they're not the only symptoms. Lots of us suffer with tiredness, um, but you might be able to recognise some of these other symptoms that might lead you to investigate the possibility that you are struggling with uh, adrenal fatigue. So if you've got high levels of fatigue every day, if you're needing lots of coffee to get yourself through the day, Uh, That could be a symptom of adrenal fatigue, not just coffee addiction. And also, adrenal fatigue sufferers will tend to get a bounce of energy in the late evening, which then can lead on to uh, conditions like insomnia and uh, having difficulty sleeping. People that have adrenal fatigue will often um, have difficulty getting up in the morning. So they'll wake up quite tired, quite foggy, even after having, you know, eight, nine, ten hours sleep. They will sometimes crave salty food. Now, when we get adrenal fatigue, we lose our ability to balance the level of minerals in our body, particularly sodium and potassium and magnesium. Then that can lead the body to crave the foods to replace those minerals that we're we're losing, uh, often through our urine. So if you're craving salty foods, that could be a symptom um, of adrenal fatigue. As I mentioned, if you've got higher levels of energy in the evening, that can be a symptom as well. Now, in a healthy person, cortisol reaches its highest level early in the morning and it gradually declines during the day. But in some adrenal fatigue sufferers, they get a spike of cortisol in the late afternoon. And as I mentioned, that can lead on to insomnia as the evening progresses. If you are continually and relying on stimulants such as caffeine and sugar, then uh, that might be a symptom that your adrenal uh, glands are struggling. And the problem with caffeine is it does lose its effect over time as a stimulant. And the more stressed and the more tired you become, the more you need. And as you can see, it's quite a vicious cycle. And if you've got a weakened immune system, that can be a problem. So cortisol 
has an anti-inflammatory effect that helps you to regulate your immune system. Now, inflammation is often seen as a sign that your body is fighting an infection, but cortisol prevents the reaction from getting out of control. Now, if stress levels are causing your cortisol to become elevated, this anti-inflammatory effect becomes too strong, and that effectively stops your immune system from working as it should do. Um, without a properly functioning immune system, you can become vulnerable to disease and illness. At the other end of the scale, if your cortisol levels are quite low, then your immune system can overreact to pathogens, and that can lead to chronic inflammation and a number of autoimmune diseases. And if you are struggling to handle um, st <coughs> excuse me, stress, and that stress leaves you feeling overwhelmed, and that leads on to physical illness as well, then that can be a sign of adrenal, exu uh, um, adrenal exhaustion. Um, and when we encounter stress, we depend on our adrenals to release those hormones, like cortisol, like uh, adrenaline, like norepinephrine, uh, to regulate our stress, uh, our stress re uh, response. Because that gives us the strength and the focus and the awareness when we need it. Now, if the adrenals become fatigued, they struggle to release those hormones, and that can lead on to things like feelings of apathy or irritability or ongoing and, con and constant anxiety as well, and also ge a general lack of enthusiasm for life. So um, on next week's show, we're going to cover some of the ways that we can deal with adrenal fatigue in a natural way through our diet. But for the moment, I will leave that there. If you can recognize with, with any of those symptoms, though, you might want to have a chat with your doctor. And if, you, if adrenal fatigue hasn't been on the radar with you before, then it might prompt uh, you to have a conversation with your doctor about it to perhaps investigate whether your adrenal glands are struggling. So it's time to wrap the show up now, how quickly the hour goes. I'd like to thank Karen one more time for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. And as I mentioned, I'll put Karen's, a link to Karen's website in the social media post-promotion that I do a bit later on today. So all that's left for me to say is have a great week. Um, stay happy, stay healthy. If you operate in the health and wellbeing industry uh, under the health and wellbeing umbrella and you'd like to come on the show as Karen has done today and talk about what you do and how you help people, then please make contact with me through my website and we'll see about getting you on a future show. So have a great week ahead and I will catch you again next Monday. <laughs>